And we open with a woof. Welcome to Food and Loathing, a cornucopia of culinary news, gossip, and chatter coming to you from fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, Al Mancini, a guy who knows a lot about eating, but honestly doesn't really know what a cornucopia is. <laughs> a horn of plenty. Yeah. Yeah, it's a no. horn of plenty. It's a, it's a cone with a lot of shit in it. Did anybody, who ate out of them? Never mind. What Never that? mind. Pilgrims, apparently, yeah. I'm coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> I am coming to you today from the luxurious Moonin Ranch, home of today's guest co-host, Chef Rick Moonin been a while since he's been in the co-host spot so rick how the hell have you been man i've been on a whirlwind tour i'm the most peripatious person you could probably encounter i've been wanting to pop a lot of peas yeah there man we saw each other on the on the plane i was on my way to new orleans i was in austin for 10 days and then i went to new orleans great food out there really philadelphia uh did a you know charity with uh, robert irvine no new orleans was with emerald Lagasse. then i was in coral gables florida i ate a great mexican restaurant called talavera really delicious right on uh ponce de leon and uh then we went to fort myers to check out our house and then ate a restaurant out there harold's guy named Harold Balik, really great guy out there. He really has a big heart, and his food's terrific. Then I was in Nashville and then Vegas again. Back to Vegas. I am excited to be home. Uh, ate at Harlow for my 10-year anniversary. Terrific meal there. Yeah. And my wife, Ronnie, she went out with a girlfriend not too long ago, had lunch, and she loved it. Met the chef, sat down with her, you know, a really nice guy named Chris uh, Mahone. Or Cajon or La Hon or some Hon. One of the Hones. <laughs> anyway, Taverna Costera, you know, and this is like this little tucked away place downtown, you know, right off Main Street. Yeah, you know, uh, near, near Todd English, right? the English uh, Hotel and stuff. Nice guy, nice guy, really. You know, and the owner, Jeff, really interesting dude, too. Uh, Asian guy that's kind of, he's kind of quirky and stuff, but, you know, he started out in the business of uh, gaming and then uh, now he's building restaurants. And it's, it's, I, I met those guys really briefly once over at um, Jammy Land. I think mm-hmm. I was over there for some event they were doing at the Jamaican place. Yeah, yeah, I know Jamie Lane. In the arts district. And they seem like really cool guys. I see them a lot on um, like Fox 5 and things like that. They, they got a heavy press presence. I still haven't made it in there. So what's the food all about over there? Well, it's kind of a, it's all over the board. You know, there's uh, Asian noodles and, uh, you know, it's um, supposed to be Mediterranean, you know, Taverna. You know, as soon as you hear Taverna, you think Mediterranean. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't have a lot of Mediterranean-ness about it, to be honest with you. It's more, uh, it's more multi-concepts upstairs you know there's because it's in the arts district there's a lot of artsy live music uh, a real big bar on the rooftop looks like it'd be a lot of fun later at night i wasn't there late went there early and so the actual dining area is kind of small it's in the in the bar you almost feel like there's another dining room which there is not there's just all multi things going on as you go in there and that's very arts district uh, mentality as far as i'm concerned yeah the bottom line is the people behind the scenes chris is a super nice guy been in vegas for well he's actually from hawaii was in hawaii for a long time so he brings that you know self-proclaimed spam king of spam <laughs> that kind of thing but he's not a mahalo uh talker you know he's just a great dude you know so um you know I, I, i'm gonna keep an eye on him hopefully they do well yeah i do need to check it out uh what about you rich where you been man i uh, had quite a large week for me going out to places i was downtown recording my other big podcast on the corner of main street at the plaza hotel <laughs> went across main street to circa intending to uh, hit the vital vegas uh, the brisket fried rice with added chicken skewers at eight east 
And then I realized I had not been to Saginaw's Deli for a while. So at the spur of the moment, I just took a right and got the corned beef pastrami combo. Mm. Comes with chips and a pickle. And man, was I in heaven. I'd forgotten how good that was. Or I had it early in their career. And um, uh, it just wasn't as good as this one. I don't know. Whatever it was, it was fine then. It was really, really good. Can you compare it to New York? Corned beef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it three inches up. of meat. They yes. don't do the totally over-the-top monster the, sandwiches. Yeah, they do it for not, go, not for show. Yeah, it's mm. it's definitely, and um, I like Saginaw's. I like yeah. the food at Saginaw's a lot. It is pricey, and yeah. it's not the giant, you got to take home half a pound of got extra it. beef yeah. afterwards. So, But they are solid. You know, it's a Detroit, uh, it's a sister restaurant to a huge deli up in the Detroit area, the name yeah. of which I can't remember. That's part of Derek right Stevens' whole Detroit thing that he has brought to Vegas between the Coney Dogs and uh, Andiamo. But Paul Saginaw was a founder yeah. of another big Yeah, it's another with an S, but it's got about five syllables. Yeah, and, like, got it. Uh, a couple of days later, uh, a big morning walk in downtown Summerlin. I like that. I just, you know, walk around and, mm-hmm. you know, it's seven in the morning, everything's closed. I'm just an old fuck mall, mall walker now, just <laughs> in the outdoor mall. <laughs> And then it was off to breakfast at the Lucky Penny inside Red Rock. Uh, Lucky Penny is, I believe, the last legacy of stations short but Roman candle-like ownership of the Palms. Mm-hmm. They had turned their coffee shop into Lucky Penny, and they liked the rebrand so much they did it at Red Rock and Santa Fe and Boulder and uh, Green Valley Ranch. Nice. I really intended to get out of my comfort zone, go for a Benedict or an omelet or something like that. I refused to, to have candy for breakfast. I don't want half a can of Ready Whip on top of strawberries nah. and jam and crap like you that. You for that. I want, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I like savory in the morning. That's that's mostly it. I got a baby cakes for the baby snacks. <laughs> yeah. a, can, a pancake once in a while with a lot of butter and, and a decent amount of syrup. But I fell right back into it to the three eggs over medium bacon toast, like hash browns. It's of fun food, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know. But that breakfast is so perfectly done <laughs> and awesome been, there. All right, wait, hold on. We got to how, what do you think about Hash House at Go-Go? Uh, Come on now. Too much stuff. I, I don't need everything with a big... Uh, they're, they're trying to defoliate the rosemary population yeah. of the world. Mm-hmm. Everything's got to have that big-ass stick of rosemary in it. I've been there a few <laughs> times. I've been to the one at Plaza, and, and I was literally there yesterday as we record this, and it was full at Two that's in the a, afternoon. That's it was a hangover dream. The, the, I mean, you just yeah. dream about that. Like, oh. It's okay, but I want, again, I want that basic thing, and they won't give me no. the basic thing. they got to put 18 sauces on it oh. and the sprig of rosemary Poor and other rich. stuff. Oh, nobody will be as boring no, as no, it's them fine. to be. And people <laughs> love that. I love my stuff. <laughs> I, I admit, I admi- acknowledge that people love that shit. I will uh, say about Hash House of Go-Go, since you brought it up, food there is surprisingly good for how annoying the fucking concept is. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the concept of everything to has to be larger than no, life. No, it's obnoxious. It is, yeah. That's all. It is just it's it's obnoxious. Okay, obnoxiously. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Just a, yeah. it's, a, it's a bad concept. It's all about waste. It's mostly food that you're not taking home and reheating. Um, but you know fucking what? It's great for Instagram. It gives you that beautiful yeah. picture. Yep. And, um, you know, and the food. Actually, t- and then, then yeah. when we cut through all that, whether we're in favor of or against of the stupid concept, and I, you can tell where I fall, um, nope. the food's fucking good, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. at the no. end of the day, it's people still drink hurricanes in New Orleans, pal. You know, uh, yeah. that crowd. Uh, Rich uh, did recently. I had a 
The hurricane was fine. No. The po' boy that came with it was shit. (laughs) Also, you mentioned Lucky Penny. I just got some dessert from Lucky Penny. Never overlook the um, front when you're leaving Lucky Penny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got all those pastries out there. And And the big donuts and all that stuff. Yeah, I was over there the other night. My parents are staying there right now. And um, on our way home, we're like, let's get some of this. Let's get this bacon. It was a candied bacon cupcake that we got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That was good. Well, we went a little nuts on takeout over the weekend. Aromi on Friday. Always solid. The the Bronzino for Joanna. Mm. Lasagna for me. Always excellent. Saturday, we were watching the final two episodes of season five of The Crown. And so it seemed appropriate to go with England's best cuisine, which, of course, is Indian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's an oxymoron. Yeah, (laughs) English, British cuisine, yeah. Uh, Saffron Flavors of India up on Craig Road in 95, our go-to for to-go. And the Vindaloo, the Shag Paneer, the Chicken Madras did not disappoint. Uh, One more thing, uh, just uh, yesterday as we record this, Monday on Fremont, I noticed that long closed stand just inside the Four Queens, Wanta Taco. Back open again. Three tacos for about nine bucks, beef carnitas and chicken. All very nice. It, um, it may be a little sloppy. I ended up going with a knife and fork in the little paper cup after a while. If you've overdosed on the Coney Dogs at the D, Wanna Taco is a nice alternative in about the same price range. Cool. Well, I have um, been to a lot of restaurants in the few short days since we, re- we recorded. Many for business, just a few for pleasure, um, and a few for pleasure, I should say. Not just, because I had pleasurable experiences at all of them. <laughs> yeah, take care of them. for pleasure. Sometimes work can be fun. Yeah, we could start on with the grand opening party for Ramsey's Kitchen, which is Gordon Ramsey's sixth Las Vegas restaurant. I don't know if that's a um, record or not. I'm trying to figure out if Emerald or Wolfgang yeah. at their peak ever had six, and maybe they did, but it's, it, it, I think it's a record right now. Um, so this is in Harrah's, and it was weird walking into the space because I had no idea where it was going to be in Harrah's. I do not go to Harrah's all that frequently. I'm just not a, things that, not a lot of things there that I'm into, uh, but I immediately flash back to when this space was briefly home to Kerry Simon's KGB, mm-hmm. or Kerry's Gourmet Burgers. Yep. Um, which was, you know, a kind of Russian-themed, um, a Soviet Union-themed <laughs> burger joint. Uh, it's had a total remodel, I can promise you. It looks great. The space is beautiful. Uh, we only had some small bites for the event, and Ramsey Gordon himself was not there. He delivered a video greeting, which was nice. I did speak with Christina Wilson, who is um, a Hell's Kitchen winner, and she's now the VP of Culinary for all of Ramsey's North American operations. Mm-hmm. And she explained how this restaurant is different from other Ramsey's establishments. With so many Gordon Ramsay restaurants in Las Vegas, what makes this one different? Um, I think this one really honestly embraces uh, what uh, the journey Gordon's been on and um, what it what it's like to actually break bread with him, not where he's cooking for you, but where you're eating with him. Um, we did we started this development almost three years ago now during uh, the first lockdown. I was working out of his house in L.A., so a lot of these dishes are, are quite literally uh, born born from his kitchen. So I, I think this is a, a bit of a more intimate look uh, into how how he dines um, when he's when he's with friends and, and family. That's awesome. And what should people expect from the menu? Um, I think you'll see a lot of fun seasonal changes. Uh, I think you'll see um, some different um, cuts of meat coming in. Of course, we we have we are on the the boulevard, so. Uh, we'll have a filet in, in a New York, but I think you'll see things like the oxtail that uh, complements the French onion soup, um, some fun things rotating out of the raw bar. 
uh, we have a super, super talented, um, totally loaded uh, chef team here. Chef Red, Reggie and his number two, Melissa, have some uh, great ideas in the back pocket. They've done some great development so far. But I, I think you'll see some of those uh, uh, kind of cheaper cuts uh, being elevated uh, on this menu uh, as we get settled in here. Real quickly, I had a delicious business meeting at Metro Pizza on West Flamingo this week. Uh, just another reminder that Metro is one of the best pizza places in the world. Yeah, I said it, in the world. Yeah. Go there, go there a lot. Um, we did Sicilian. We did a Hawaiian. <laughs> Some Yay! Of you oh, we no. did a gluten-free. <laughs> um, all excellent, so it was fantastic. Um, another short one, I recorded another friends podcast um at the peppermint hippo who's great to be back in the space that was once home to olympic gardens uh that place was my home away from home it's a strip club for those who don't know las vegas that well it used to be olympic gardens it was my home away from home when i moved to las vegas all the dancers there were my good friends seriously good friends yeah. i knew their husbands i knew their kids you know my wife and i hung out with them that was that place had about a 40 50 year, year run something like that it oh, had gee, a long man. ass run the OG. as did most of the strippers in sure and, and was, <laughs> you know that's the only place <laughs> I was ever cock-blocked by strippers, which is proof that your wife should always go to strip clubs with you. Because when they were so used to seeing Sue in there that when they saw me in there without her and with with another woman that I was hanging out with, they made it a point to tell that other woman that they wanted to know where my wife was. Oh, boy. I was like, man, I'm being cock-blocked. But anyway, it's now reopened. This is the Peppermint Hippo. The place has had a great re remake. Um, nice VIP lounges in the back where we recorded the podcast. Um, we've got a couple of really high-end tequilas that they're pushing very hard with this VIP lounge. Um, um, you know, I can't remember the brands off the top of my head, but it looks beautiful, and it was nice to be back in. Is, so, do they have anything to do with the Rhino, or are they just no, like, just pulling? No, and I think Peppermint Hippo. They took the name from South Park, which was a Spearmint Rhino ripoff. Okay, South, oh, or, yeah. or a mockery or a parody, I should say, on yeah. South Park. And so, I think that's where they got the name. Uh, but it was cool to be back in the space. It looks beautiful. Um, I did not get any lap dances while I was there. We had a couple dancers with us on Jonathan Scott's podcast. So, yeah, look up. Jo I forget the name of Jonathan's podcast off the top of my head, but Jonathan. Yeah. Scott, who's been in broadcasting and in Vegas forever. I mean, you know, one of the, the old guard and, you know, he just, he's doing an entertainment based podcast and he's going to be doing a lot of it out of um, Peppermint Hippo. So you guys should, um, should come out with me one Friday. Yeah. Don't, crash the Don't threaten me with a good time. Hey, baby. Um, I attended a second, the second night of a two night baking seminar by chef Gio Morrow at Manzu. And, you know, he has a new prep kitchen that's like two doors down from Manzu Pizzeria Manzu, which then became Manzu Italian Kitchen. Now yep. they're just calling it Manzu. Uh, but he has this little prep kitchen, you know, a couple doors down. It just it was a group of 10 people. They had been in the day before. He taught them how to make dough um, and they all made their own dough and they let it rise. And then they made focaccio out of it the night that I was there. And then he incorporated into all the bread into all the dishes that he served. You know, they were all done with breads. And we all sat down for a nice kind of formal dinner with him but he was sipping wine pouring wine this was like the second night and it probably ran three and a half hours plus just a really intimate thing and i bring it up because he says he wants to do these more often so you want to really follow the instagrams for i believe it's at manzu lv mm -hmm. uh, because they go on sale quickly they sell out in an hour i don't know what the price was on it but really cool and uh, you know as somebody who has started trying to do some cooking demos myself through the neon feast brand and somebody who is trying to 
to bring chefs out to the community a lot more often um, via the Neon Feast brand. Seeing Geo do this event, you know, it really, it, it, it's just cool. You know, it's cool to have chefs just say, I'm going to open up my prep kitchen to 10 fans who, who want to come in and put in the work and come for two straight days, make the bread, learn how to make dough. He sent them all home with some starter. That's pretty cool. And, you know, yeah. I thought that was really, 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 really cool. I think Geo is a, a serious badass in this town, in this business. And, you know, sometimes he doesn't always get mentioned in the same conversations because he's the guy with, um, with his head down who's doing the hard yeah. work. And he's yeah. always out there supporting other people. But even at the pizza festival, he was the guy I couldn't get to for a quote because he was just buried in. I mean, like, he would have done it for me, but he was just so buried in his work that I didn't want to interrupt Too focused him. Yeah. to pull away. So um, don't you know? Don't sleep on Manzu. I know a lot of people yeah. love his old school pizzerias, which are you know the more approachable places all throughout the valley. But um, Manzu is where he really you know gets yeah. the shine as an artist. It's in what we diplomatically say a modest strip mall. Way out on Flamingo, behind a 7-Eleven, next to a gas station. Yeah. The original location that. of Nora's Italian Cuisine. There you the go. The space that he's in is where Nora but, started. That's right. That's right. Family's restaurant. And it's also over there by Jackson's Bar and Grill. Yeah, which same, is a same really mall. good video poker bar for food. If you want, like, food for, you know, it's on our list on, on Neon Feast of Game. Guess what I've had there a Great couple food. of times. And oh, you've everything. had dishes, right? No, bacon and eggs over medium. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Wow. And it was great, yeah. Yes. Oh, um, then I had a couple of great meals with my parents who came to town for the pre-holidays. We're going to go out to them for the, then after the holidays, we all go to Palm Springs. But for the pre-holidays, um, first we dropped in on the new Lotus of Siam location. And man, what a great meal. Incredible service. I've already mentioned the room. It's beautiful. Uh, Penny was actually there, Penny mm -hmm. Chitima. Um, and she and her partner came over, who's a former Tau Group alumni. She's They're awesome. doing that together. Came over to say hi to Sue because Penny knows Sue via social and some other in-person meeting she introduced herself to my family she even sent over a dish that we hadn't ordered because i thought it was too adventurous for my parents um these amazing prawns shot fried with their shells on you can kind of eat the shells like they're chips yep, yep. and they're sort of oh. butterflied as they come out they're in the special section and she's like why didn't you try this so she sent them over uh that was great but we had some other really good dishes um you know we had the kung satang which is sort of a bacon wrapped shrimp pretty basic but I knew my family would dig on that and they did an amazing job with it um man i had I had never had the meat crab, which is almost a sweet and sour vermicelli. Mm -hmm. She they almost use like a marmalade to she said to kind of sweeten it up. Um, really good. I was not a hundred percent blown away by their um dad deal, which is the beef jerky. Right. Um, and you know, we always get that Thai beef jerky, and this one was just a little tougher on the teeth than we would like it. Just a little, and it's probably more authentic than we're used to. I'm not putting it down, but it was just a little tougher than what we usually have. Going beyond that, man, rad. Nah, yellow curry with crispy duck. Absolute favorite dish of just about everybody in my party. Um, Penny had them make it with the duck sliced instead of ground as it normally is. Oh, nice. I don't know if that's available to everybody, but ask, <laughs> I would say ask. ask. Um, oh, I yeah. would. I will. Um, that was the favorite dish. We loved it. Pineapple fried rice was great. The Penang curry with chicken was really good. It had a lot of kick to it, even though we asked for a three on a scale of one to ten. Yeah. They still do <laughs> kick over there. Um, and then my mom wanted formal caviar service while she was in town. 
Okay. I had taken my mom and her sister, who's my stepmother. We did a Mother's Day weekend about five years ago, four or five years ago. I, I brought them out to Vegas so that I could spend some time with them. And every place we went, the chef sent out caviar. I took them to Colors of Caviar at, <laughs> for, at, um, at, at Guy Savoie. We sat in the lounge. Um, we went over to Sarah's, which was then open behind Mabel's. And Chef Joe Swan sent out a bunch of caviar. And then we did a caviar course at Le Cirque. So my mom said... Well, I want your dad to do formal caviar service. Do you know a place? Like, do, do I know a place? I know quite a few. <laughs> All of them. Um, but where to go, where to go, where to go. So I convinced, I figured out they should stay at Red Rock close to my house, and then we go to Harlow. That's it. Where else to go That's but Harlow? Formal caviar service. And holy shit, wow, what an experience. Yep. Um, started off with the caviar bites, the, the trio of caviar yep. bites for each of us. They changed a little bit since last time. Caviar taco was still there. There was another little kind of rolled pastry with caviar in it. And then a it's Caviar deviled egg that we had, which was really good on that one. Yep. Um, and then the caviar cart comes to the table. The caviar cart is gorgeous <laughs> there. Um, adorn- this is the one he was waiting for. Waiting for for after months. the opening. Yeah. Uh, Louis the Thirteenth, right on the on the thing. In case sure. you want to spike your bill a little higher, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know you could do an ounce of of three various three types that you could do an ounce each of. We did the sampling. We asked for an ounce of each of the three. So that comes in just under five hundred bucks to do that with all the accoutrements. That's not bad. Um, no, and you know it's the production. He has the old-fashioned scale with the little weights that he puts on the one side of the scale, <laughs> and then they put the shell on the other side of this, you know, the mother of pearl shell, and sure. then they proceed to scoop the caviar out until the balances come into play. Does that for each of the three, then serves it with this crazy, like almost birdcage of accoutrements, right? Everything from potato latkes, which were great, to what I think were chickpea fries that I was putting some caviar on. A couple different types of creme fraiche. I think there were some potato chips on it that I didn't even get. I mean, just you know all of these no blinis no not the blinis um they 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 got creative with things um really really high end fantastic experience i mean look i understand you don't want to necessarily always go out and spend five hundred dollars just to do a caviar course but you know my mom wanted to do it she wanted to do it right she wanted to have it done in style and you can do it by the way for considerably less just getting a single caviar you know 100 plus 200 probably in the probably in the 200 dollar range is where this would start this experience um maybe a little less than that and just a really really fantastic experience just all the elegance you know that you you expect from caviar of course they didn't let us go without also doing some um some pasta because white truffles are in season. So he had to shave some white truffles for mom and um, then fantastic desserts and this beautiful, um, yeah, beautiful. Uh, yeah, well, of course, I mean, they, he was kind enough to, um, they comped us the, the white truffle course. So that was really nice. <laughs> Good luck. Um, you know, we were paying for the caviar, but he was kind enough to comp us for the, that and, and a few other things. Sent out some desserts. It was really, really nice. Um, it had this great pumpkin. It looks like a pumpkin. You'll see it on my social media feeds, but it had a pumpkin mousse inside it mm. with all the pumpkin spice flavorings. Yeah. All your stuff. pumpkin needs. And yeah, just, it was, it was fantastic. So, um, man, you really, really need to go to Harlow when you get a chance. I agree. Oh man! Um, you know, and Evo that runs the place used to be a manager for me at my restaurant. RM. Yeah, and Evo was the guy who who I called immediately when my mom said she wanted caviar. He's the man. 
He is the man. And then he was at the Cirque after RM for many, many years. Yeah, terrific dude. Great guy. And we had him on this podcast. And he yeah. did our whole front of the, the new front of the house, you know, movement and resurgence. So go check out that old podcast episode if you can. Um, and also, while you're hearing this episode after Thanksgiving, we are recording it earlier in the week. So do we'll do one of those great bits of journalism magic and talk about the future events kind of in the past tense, I guess. Rick, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Oh, man. I had a bunch of people over the house. It was potluck, a lot of fun. I made my chassisi ham from that was sent to me from a friend in New Orleans. And I roasted a turkey. You know, my wife made her stuffing because it's a jambalaya and rice. Oh, baby. Gluten-free, but it's so, so delicious. And uh, all the, everybody showed up with another dish, you know. They're all nervous to make stuff because I'm a chef. Big deal, man. This, <laughs> this is celebrating people, family, differences, animals, as you can hear. You yeah, know. I got yeah. dogs and cats got, uh, you know. podcasting together. Oh, you man. get a goat over here, man. Goats are flying in, you know. <laughs> you never know. But great time. Awesome. Right. Um, Rich Johnson, what, yeah. some, you, you, you will have done some fast food or something? No, no, we, we cook. You know, I <laughs> talk about all the things we sandwich. cook. And, Sliced and, turkey from the deli. He goes to uh, no, no, no. and gets the, what is the, <laughs> no. the Bobby. The Bobby. Yeah. No. Another Bobby. I tried the Bobby once. His frequent card for Did, 10 I, Bobbies. He gets I, a Wait, 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 wait. Rich I, Johnson, Bobby? Well, come did, on. Did not much care for the Bobby. Get out of town. That's the one thing I actually do like, the pressed, sliced yeah. deli turkey in a turkey sandwich, mm-hmm. as opposed to the fresh roast breast I thing. I, I don't know what's wrong with it, but that's the deal. But <laughs> turkey, we usually do pretty simple. You know, it's just the two of us. We don't need a lot of extra sides, meaning we don't need a lot of sides left over. It's right. turkey. It's dressing. It's a lot of gravy, because I want to put it on those leftovers. A veg and dessert. That's about it. And football. So we toyed around with maybe getting something to go this year. I narrowed it down to Johnny C or Soul Belly. We decided to stick with uh, the usual. Our dilemma is always finding a turkey that isn't massive. You know, I looked online at Whole Foods, and they were already sold out of 10-pound turkeys. Uh, I was ready to go fill up the the gas tank and go hunting all over the valley (laughs) at various places. Uh, And then the light bulb lit in my head, and I called Featherblade. You know, the beef place. And I said, do you by any chance of doing, you know, selling any uh, turkeys for Thanksgiving? He said, yeah, of course we are. (laughs) A butcher. You got anything around 9, 10 pounds? He said, yeah, well, put my name on it. And I was down there in 20 minutes picking it up. And, of course, when you're going to go into Featherblade, you can't just go out with a steak or a meat or a mane. There's all kinds of little toys. (laughs) And I always usually get to their, their pot pies. And they make about, you know, seven or eight different kinds of pot pies with all the, you know, the leftovers yeah, and yeah. stuff from the butcher shop there. And one I had not seen before, but it had me at bo- at either one of the two words. But the two words together, <laughs> they really grabbed me. Wagyu Burgundy. Ooh. So I got four of those. And, and, and on a future episode, I will report back as to how wonderful those are. Okay. Sounds good. Um, you know, Sue and I... Family again. My family was just in town, and then we go to we go from here. We go down to Palm Springs. My brother has all the people there. I never know what's being cooked. Um, you know, I'm not a I'm not a really traditional Thanksgiving turkey. Um, my brother's husband goes vacillates between being v- pretty vegan, where he enforces it on my on everybody, no. and, you know, and non-vegan. So no, I just don't know. I mean, no, he's a really cool guy, and I, I love him. But um, you know, some days, some years, there's more vegan food than others, right? So I don't know whether this is going to be a vegan yeah. year that I'll have had um, this year. I do know my mom will be making like pierogies because that's the kind of stuff she likes to make. Um, so maybe the whole family will get together and you know, we'll have done some of that. Um, but really it's just about the drive out and then we go to um, 
yeah, we'd, we'd hit a place called Billy Reed's, usually the night after Thanksgiving, which is where the, all the families get together and eat out in a restaurant. I, I don't know that, but I've been to Palm Springs once and found, you know, a dark, elegant, upscale, American kind of place. And I imagine there's a dozen of those to... Uh, uh, accommodate all the rich retirees in Palm Springs. Are we talking about something like that? Uh, but now, Billy Reed's is more like, it just looks like the place that has been serving everybody for about 150 years. It's got the Tiffany lamps. It's got yeah. the big, you know, yeah. the, the dark wood bar in the center. It's got, um, you know, Grandma's China. All okay. the Old Crazy, school. you know, crazy I, I, last I, I, figure. I love that already. All, all that kind of stuff. Palm so, Springs Rock. Yeah, we always, so that's that's part of our tradition as well. All right. Uh, news is coming up. We have a little bit of news. And uh, more holiday watering holes. And Alice sitting down with the Review Journal's Jonathan Wright. Is he your successor? Would he be, be described that way? I don't know. He's in a position that either that I, that Heidi and myself both yeah, held. Okay. But he's probably more analogous to Heidi Ranella because he's a one-man show over there right now. Yeah. She, for many years, was a one-man show. I always was just the backup. Yeah. <laughs> I was second string the whole Jonathan time. Jonathan Wright on the way. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. So this episode drops about a day after Thanksgiving, and a group of people I'm particularly thankful for to have um, in this city are great local journalists who keep us informed on what's going on in Las Vegas. Local journalism matters. I say this all the time, especially in a day of crowdsourced, anonymous, angry rants, which, you know, there's a place for that, but I actually respect having great local journalists. And on the food scene, there are fewer than ever, unfortunately, both in Las Vegas and across the country. I'm very grateful to live in a town that has the Las Vegas Review Journal that's always taken food journalism seriously. They've always had at least one full-time food reporter. At, for some points, they've had two. I've been lucky enough to play second-string backup position in that uh, role to Heidi Ranella. But right now, the man who is covering that scene is Mr. Jonathan Wright. He's joining me today in a, a slightly odd and a, um unusual location, a little noisier than usual. But he's on his way to an assignment, so I had to get him where I could get him and He's going to be downstairs shortly with his team. So with no further ado, Jonathan, how are you, man? 
I'm very good. How are you, Al? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well, sir, and welcome to Las Vegas. Um, you know you've been at the RJ for about nine months now. Before that, you covered the northern Nevada restaurant scene as well as California wine country. I know you have a bachelor's degree from Yale and a master's in journalism from the University of Nevada, so way better um, qualified for the job than I ever was. Uh, you're a longtime James Beard Foundation judge. Am I missing anything in your credentials? Um, no, I... No, I don't think so, um, although I'm a pretty good egg cook at home. Well, you know, cooking an egg is the hardest thing. I know that Mr. Robichon used to ask people to cook the perfect egg for him before he would hire them. I took the Jacques Pepin egg course online, and I cook eggs like five days a week, typically, and it's the one thing I can cook really well. Well, you're going to have to have me over for eggs one of these days, man. Um, you, prior to coming down here to Las Vegas, you were covering the northern Nevada scene. I'm curious. Uh, I've been up there a few times to tour some distilleries that are located in northern Nevada. I've met some very cool people who are involved in the farm-to-table movement up there. But I, I know maybe one or two names in that area. But it seems very vibrant. It seems like a cool scene that is, is really just starting to percolate. Am I right or wrong in my assessment? Uh, it's It's percolating for the past decade really in the last maybe eight years it's gotten a lot better um the midtown district of reno which in some ways got way too much press coverage and political capital um but still has a lot of interesting restaurants there's more local restaurants than ever outside of the properties and Northern Nevada actually has a really good agricultural district east of Reno in the La Hunton Valley. And so there are many, many local farms um, that can that uh, chefs can and restaurateurs can draw on. And there's a, a really significant local food movement um, that's developed in like the past 15 years. Now, you also, uh, from what I understand, got out to wine country a lot when you were stationed up there. Are, do you consider yourself a big um, wine connoisseur, and is that one of your areas of expertise? Because I know nothing about wine. When I was at the RJ, I would say, give Heidi the wine stories. I will t handle the spirits stories, which I was fine with. But are you a big wine guy? I am. I've, I've covered the California wine country and, to a lesser extent, the Oregon wine country for almost 20 years. And I know a lot of people in the valleys. Um, and I've covered the Central Coast somewhat, too. But mainly Napa and Sonoma. Um, I've, I've written about it a long time, so you just naturally learn. I am a big wine person. When I moved to Vegas, one of the first things I noticed was, oh, this is a booze town, not a wine town. <laughs> yeah, we like, we like to get a little... Um, we, get, we like to get there quicker in this town, right? I mean, I'm all for martinis, as I've said publicly on many occasions. But I'm very glad I found Garagiste in downtown Vegas where I can go geek out with all the fellow wine geeks. <laughs> yeah. Now that is that is a Vegas gem. So what brought you to Las Vegas? I mean, was it just a um, saw an ad online and applied, or did they go up and poach you, or have you always wanted to be in Las Vegas? Two out of three, Al. Um, yes, I stalked Heidi's job, God bless her, for many years. And every couple of years I would check to see if she'd retired, because I know she'd done it for what, going on 30 years at, by the very end. And um, this past January, I was um, sort of just hanging out in my place up in Reno. And I was thinking about selling it and what am I doing next? And the job was there online. 
and then I applied. And then there were lots of interviews that followed. Yeah, um, I remember that process well, man. Oh, man. So after nine months, what are your first impressions of this town and of our restaurants? Um, I will never love driving here. And it's a massive stressor for me, but it's I'm getting better. And I, I don't freak out. And I don't need GPS all the time either, except for, like, Henderson, which is super confusing to me. Um, I It's like one of the most exciting food cities in the world, right? And a big part of that is because of all the, like, things that are possible because of the, the properties and the strip. Um, I mean, where else am I going to be able to interview, you know, Tetsuya Wakuda, Gordon Ramsay, um, Todd English, et cetera, et cetera, in the space of two months, right? And, like, really interview them, not just, you know, talk to a publicist, like, sit down. Um but I have also tried to make a part of my mission to really do a lot of things off the strip and discover the neighborhoods of Vegas. Um, so I make a, a point of going out to the neighborhoods and see and, and asking locals, where should I go? And I like to go out anyway on my own just to discover things. So whenever you go to a bar, you just sit down and then you just talk to someone on the next stool and then they tell you. Yeah, um, yeah so... You know, it's interesting because, I mean, you recently scored a great interview with Gordon Ramsay about his new restaurant that ran on November 8th. Uh, the day we're recording this, you published a detailed report on what's coming to Aria's new food hall, Proper Eats. So you clearly cover the strip, and I encourage everybody to go read both of those at ReviewJournal.com. But if I look at the other stories you published around that time frame, they're primarily off-strip establishments. The Golden Tiki, Bella Vita, um, Wishful Thinking Cakes, an underground donut tour, Lotus of Siam, Echo and Rig, Main Street Provisions. Is that an intentional decision to focus more on local neighborhoods than on the Strip? Because that's always a tough balance, especially when you're at the paper of record for a city that is known also for tourism but read by all the locals. Um, you know, sometimes it'll be more Strip-heavy, um, and there's always something to cover on the Strip, right? And it just so happened we had a, I had a patch of, of interviews that all came together, and then I had to write, I had to write them, and we sort of pieced them out. Um, but I, I do want to cover local things. Um, you know, our readership, as you know, being a former RJ, food writer, um, our readership is significantly um, out of state because of the tourism aspect. But we, like you said, we are the paper of record for Las Vegas. So we have hundreds of thousands of subscribers who are locals um, so and readers or millions. So we need to strike that balance. It, you know, the strip is um, like a glittery object. Or like a beautiful, you know, bobble of food. Um, but I'll always be there, right? And I do like to find out about what people are doing, especially in this economy, coming out of the pandemic, when people are still willing to put their life savings into what is a, a hugely tough business. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, covering the business aspect, that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about. Because covering the business and the politics of food was never something that I wanted to do. Um, but I was very grateful that I was at the RJ during the pandemic when those were the most important stories I was writing. And I came to the realization that whether I was covering um, a city council meeting or, or, or county commission meeting where they were trying to cap fees on delivery services or whether I was interviewing people about the effects of the the occupancy restrictions, right? And knowing that you're at the Review Journal, because I had been writing for, you know, like, I mean, the alt-weeklies and, the, and also for um, 
for you know glossies as well for many many years but i'd never been for a paper of record where i knew that the stories that i write on topics like that the serious business stories land on the desk of the governor you know that 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 newspaper gets seen by the casino bosses by the county commissioners by the governor you suddenly are giving voice to local restaurants on a huge scale that really humbled me in that job and i was very grateful for that is that going to continue now that the um now that the pandemic's over and a lot of that politics, a lot of those business things aren't as pressing, is your current beat, is that going to continue to be the business of food and the, the business trends and the political issues that affect food as well? Or are you going to be shifting back more into what I was doing pre-pandemic, which was just reporting on how things taste and what's delicious and what are the trends? Yeah, I, when I was working for Gannett up north, I had to really pivot during the pandemic like you did to covering, you know, um, permitting and city code things. And I mean, that is not my first love by any means. And um, it's not what I'm expert. Like you would never want me to cover a fire or the city council or like a, a, a political race or, you know, the water. I mean, I would just, uh, number one, I'm like not that interested. And number two, I don't bring years of expertise to that. But I do know, you know, I do know um, about, the, about restaurants. Um, I worked in college in the campus uh, dining thing, um, uh, part-time for extra money. Um, Several members of my immediate family were in the restaurant business. Um, it, it would depend. Um, probably I would shove that over to the business desk so I can concentrate on what tastes good and what's opening and what famous person is coming to town. Um, I don't know. They, they typically do. And things like chains expanding typically are in the business desk, right? Um, probably something to do with immigration, maybe, would not be covered by me. I mean, let's be... Um, mm, I don't know what to say. Maybe I better not say that. But, um, um, well, we have to think about sources, right? And it, it might be better from a coverage and an expertise aspect if some of those tougher stories were covered by the business desk. Absolutely. And that is the beauty of being... Then we have the right balance. Yeah. And the beauty of being in a paper like the Review Journal, they have so many talented journalists on every beat that they can cover that. But, in, of course, pandemic, we all did shift, and that was a big change for me. And I was just curious your thoughts on those types of stories. I mean, I do go through the building permits religiously. And have you discovered so far that a lot of people just scribble things in on the building permits that aren't necessarily true when you call them to confirm? Yes, I have. I also have called people when I first got here who I, I've noticed certain properties now don't put down something specific. The reason I got the exclusive on the RAF Food Hall Proper Eats is because I first dug it up in a permit. And when I called over there, of course, they're very professional, very nice. They have the top PR people, you know, some of the top PR people in the country working on the strip. But they were very nice, and I'm sure when I hung up the phone, they're like, hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, it's always funny to me that they don't think we're going to find these things when they're in permits or that we, we rely on what's in those permits to be, to be true when sometimes they're just sort of scribbled in there as place fillers, you know? I've also just hung out at bars to confirm things on the ground. You know, just hear the chatter. Bartenders know everything, as you know. 
bartenders, bar backs, and the runners more than even than the servers sometimes. And the guy, the guys, and the women who are in the liquor and wine and beer business. The distributors always know who they always know who's in trouble because they're not paying their bill, and they always know who's coming because they want to set up an account. Absolutely, man. They are they are the great sources on the ground. Uh, there's a bit of a recent change at the paper. The Wednesday taste se- section was converted to a health section. But as somebody, I, I do get the paper delivered to my house, but I also read it mostly online. So for me, it didn't seem like that big of a deal because no fall off on the food coverage. I was still reading just as much food coverage from you as I always did. But for those who heard about that or, or noticed the difference in the print, has there been a change or is it just a change in the layout of the print edition, basically? Well, in the neon, Friday neon, we have less space, obviously, print space, than we had with um, uh, when we had our own section. And I, I will say it was handy to be able to, you know, um, have a cover you could, you know, every week to dangle or what have you. Um, online, no. we have. There's no follow-up because, you know, online is, you know, limitless. Um um, and I understand that Ian's section for many years has been very popular here. Um, and so um, I'm glad we have a space for the print product. Um, and then we have Las Vegas. Uh, ma- or, um, we have the RJ Magazine every quarter, which you know I'm going to con- contribute to. And I've always liked working on glossies. Um, so I think it's about striking a balance. We might be, I can't really talk about it right now, but we might be launching some new platforms starring me because um, I'm pretty good on my feet and I have like a big mouth and I go out a lot. So. I'd like to see you on camera there a bit more, maybe on 7 and 7, 7 and 7 a bit more. That would be cool. They always try to get me and they want you to do it from home, but I don't like to do that because my place is in massive disarray because I haven't moved really anything down from Reno. I mean, I have clothes and shoes, which are the most important things, and my laptop, but everything else is like, this morning, I was, there's like boxes, shopping bags, bin. I mean, I don't even have like any of my really good furniture here yet. I just have been lazy. I'm super lazy. So I don't want like in the background something weird, uh, you know, or a blank, tragic blank wall that makes me look like I'm weird. So I, I always, I want to go in to the studio I mean, I don't love how I look on camera, but I am good on my feet, and they're always asking, and I know it's part of the job. I don't mind it. I mean, I, I wish I had, like, hair and makeup and a wardrobe budget. Hint, hint. <laughs> oh, that would be nice. A wardrobe budget. That would be nice. If you arrange that, let me know how you got that worked out over there. So a couple of things. I know you're on your way to some interviews and a photo shoot. Um, favorite place to eat here in Las or actually favorite type of food in general to eat and also your beverage or spirit of choice and I think you may have said wine already but oh the, these are very easy my favorite food is Chinese I mean I grew up in Hawaii right I'm I am a part Chinese myself I'm mainly Hawaiian but I'm part Chinese too little thrown in um I uh I would eat Chinese food all day every day and always want it and thank god we have some amazing Chinese food here um I love martinis, sparkling wine, and white wine. Have you found a favorite Vegas restaurant or a favorite local bar? Well, you mentioned Garagis, so there's one, but any others? So, um, I, you know, I love Le Cirque for a lot of personal reasons because I, I used to live in New York, and I would, I've been to every, you know, every location in New York, and I've 
been to the one here. I think the one in Mexico City is closed. Never made it there. But I, I, I always will love Le Cirque. So I love Le Cirque. But um, I knew Le Cirque long before, you know, I came here. Um, and in Bellagio. Um I really have liked, um, I really like the Overlook part, the win, because I don't live too far from there. So it's a straight shot and a cheap Uber. <laughs> and, the, and the guys there are really great. Um, and you have uh, Marina Mercer Burini in there making cocktails, right? Right. Uh, who, you know, right, exactly. I mean, wonderful. Um, and I um, like Main Street Provisions a lot, who I just um, interviewed, the chef there, and Kim Owens, the owner. Um, I really like that. Um, I really like Mott 32 in the Venetian, because they have Shalumba, which is like one of my favorite foods. And I love Shalum dumplings, which I just had dinner at two nights ago for like the 10th time since I've been here. And um, and I forget the name of it, but it's uh, off the top of my head. It's the Armenian Bakery out in Summerlin, which is one of the first stories that I wrote when I got here and like right before Easter. But I drive out there to see some friends and I was, I, oh, Van Bakery, Van Bakery, I always stop by there. I, they have like um, Armenian version of prosciutto that is just amazing. Cool. Um, any big stories coming up we should be on the lookout now, assuming this is going to drop the um, day after Thanksgiving. So what do you have planned for that weekend after Thanksgiving and the week after Thanksgiving? Or things that may have just dropped prior to when people are hearing this? Well, we have an exclusive on something I can't say. You know, I'm, I'm very big on exclusives because I'm competitive. Um, we have a caviar issue coming up. I adore caviar. I can't believe I talked them into that. Um, you know, whatever. It's Vegas, you know. I mean, um, this isn't, you know, Milwaukee. Um, uh, nothing- a quick story about caviar. When I was at the RJ, I did a story on um, the way that people write for the, um, uh, sorry, people cook for the true high rollers in the mansions and in the villas. And I interviewed a lot of chefs who are always sworn to secrecy during their jobs there, but I got them after they left and I spoke to them. And one dish that's really big at the mansion in MGM, which you could actually see right over from for the parking garage. See out the window, out. look, there's the wall of the mansion. So one dish I learned that was popular over there was um, ice cream with caviar. So we had, and a lot of guests just started ordering it. So we actually tried to recreate that for a photo shoot one day at the RJ. It was the funniest day. I don't remember how the photos ended up coming out, but um, that that was fun. So I'm glad to hear you're going to be covering caviar. Um, Anything else? I know I cut you off there. Um, Oh, another restaurant I love is Red Plate in the Cosmopolitan. Wonderful. modern Chinese food, but still within tradition, but really kind of breaking ground on what Chinese food can be. Um, Chinese risotto. Didn't even look Italian, tasted Chinese. Um, uh, oh, uh, we're covering um, some uh, amazing new cosmopolitan, at the Cosmopolitan Cocktails, Holiday Cocktails, oh, a gift guide, all local, no Amazon. We're supporting the locals at the RJ. Thank you very much all the local businesses, um, just a fun, like, seven or eight fun local things that are food-related, including um, a, a whiskey wreath. Amazing, right? <laughs> a whiskey wreath. Nice. <laughs> I know, right? Um, it's mainly holiday stuff, 
And then we'll take a deep breath, and then it'll be Valentine's Day. <laughs> exactly. And then you have Super Bowl stories, right. and you're going to have March Madness. And you'll learn, living in Vegas, you get on that treadmill of what are the occasions that we cover one year after another and another. And, man, look forward. I mean, I can't wait to see what you do with um, our Chinese New Year's coverage and the Super Bowl and all of that and stuff. F1, F1, I'm really looking forward to the F1 coming and being a part of covering that from the food angle, being a part of that. I'm looking forward to the opening of the Ocean Prime up the block, right on the roof of um, up the block, which will have great view of F1. Um, Vegas is so exciting. Like I sometimes I'm like I can hardly believe I get to cover all of this for, and get paid for it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a dream job, and congratulations on it. How can people follow you on social media? I know I got to get my Instagram in gear, but I mainly do Twitter. It's JLW. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And it is time for the news. But honestly, as we're recording this one a little early for the holidays and half the world is already on vacation, there isn't a lot of news to share beyond the holiday stories that I'm working on for other people too, because Whoops. the holidays haven't happened yet, right? So yeah. my head is all over the place. Um, so I'm just going to tell you about a few more holiday pop. Look, I'm assuming you're, you're hearing this on Friday. You got the um, the Thanksgiving hangover. You want to go out and get drunk after being with the, the relatives. You want something a little down and dirty. So, um, you know, for my news, I'll tell you about a few more holiday pop-up bars that are now open. We already mentioned Bad Elf at the Silverton. Uh, it's been joined by a couple more. Sand Dollar has mm. two. At the original, they have have the Miracle on Spring Mountain. I want to check that out. And the Sand Dollar at the Plaza has something called Sippin' with Santa. I was there when they opened the doors, and uh, it's all sort of half Christmas, half tiki bar look. It looks yeah. really great. I wish I could stay up and watch the bands there, but they start like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm old and fat. I used I'm, to I'm, go there years ago just happen. for the bands. I'm done at 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, look, I, I don't know if you spoke to anybody, but I got a ah. shortcut from um, Anthony Jameson explaining, I guess, a little bit about what he's doing at each of those two pop-up. Spring Mountain's more your, like, kitschy, classic 70s, 80s Christmas. Downtown's going to be a lot more tiki vibes, island theme. You don't need to wear the Christmas suit. You can come in your flip-flops and board shorts. And one more that um, I attended the opening night of. This is um, Nightmare Before Xmas in the speakeasy behind Mas Por Favor. 
Mas Por Favor is um, a casual Mexican restaurant spot in with the golden tiki and, the, you know, that whole thing and a half bird chicken. But they've got, they've had the speakeasy in the back of it. You go through, you know, you pull this kind of really heavy door, go in the back. They have it all done as Nightmare Before X Mas, as in Mas Por Favor. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's all Jack Skeleton themed and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it was a cool event. I went there. It was great. If you're, I mean, who's not a Nightmare Before Christmas fan? I mean, anybody, I think, Anybody who's cool loved that when they were a, when they were a disaffected teenager. That was like you know your salvation watching that movie, and it was the first time I think Disney ever did anything that kind of dark. Risque. Yeah. You know? And those of us who were disaffected, forty year olds when it came out. Yeah, I don't know what you guys thought about it, but um, anyway, I love it, and I did speak to Mas Por Favor's Julian Thomas a little bit about what they're doing. We have a complete venue decorated with the Nightmare Before Xmas theme. We have a Jack Skeleton cocktail. We have have Sandy's um, lobster tail tacos. So it's really cool. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Jonathan Wright for letting us get to know him a little better. Tell a friend about Food and Loathing, which is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Spread the word on social media, too. Please, 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 we're begging you. Spread the word on social media. Just search for Food and Loathing. And if you have a question for Al directly, electronic mail is the way to go. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. If you haven't done it yet, Download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, wherever you need to go, whatever you want, you'll find it on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. And if this podcast is not enough for you, have no fear. I'm always out there talking food in other venues. For example, you can see me every other Wednesday on the CW Las Vegas at approximately 8.15 a.m. Or good old AM radio. Well, and FM radio, too. FM, too. FM. First uh, and foremost, the Neon Feast update on the Vibe. Three FMs, no waiting. 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 on the high desert, like on your way to Barstow, and 98.9 at the river at Laughlin, better known as Gateway to Bullhead City. And also every Thursday morning, God, I thought that'd be funnier. Uh, every Thursday morning, <laughs> 8, 10 a.m. on the club, AM 670, KMZQ. Don't worry, it happens to the best of I can fix it in post. With Rich Johnson and Rick Moonen, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.